Calling all conscious achievers who are seeking more community and connection, I've got an invitation for you. Join me at this year's Summit of Greatness this September 7th through 9th in my hometown of Columbus, Ohio to unleash your true greatness. This is the one time a year that I gather the greatness community together in person for a powerful transformative weekend. People come from all over the world and you can expect to hear from inspiring speakers like Inky Johnson, Jaspreet Singh, Vanessa Van Edwards, Jen Sincero, and many more. You'll also be able to dance your heart out to live music, get your body moving with group workouts, and connect with others at our evening socials. So if you're ready to learn, heal, and grow alongside other incredible individuals in the greatness community, then you can learn more at lewishouse.com slash summit 2023. Make sure to grab your ticket, invite your friends, and I'll see you there. Now, when you go in wounded and expect the person to provide you medication, but you don't even tell them what disease you have, we are then going to punish them for everything they do. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> the worst feeling. Unfortunately, you go in expecting them to be the healer or the doctor to a wound that you didn't create, but you don't even tell them of your diagnosis. And as a result, it's destined for failure. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Whether you're searching for a home to buy or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. You can favorite homes, share listings with others, and even schedule tours with a local Redfin agent, all in the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. They know how to help you win the right home at the right price. So download the Redfin app to get started today. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean... Every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Welcome back everyone to the School of Greatness. Very excited about our guest. We have the inspiring Sadia Khan in the house who is an incredible online coach, therapist, psychologist, and uh, someone who's really been taking off lately online with your relationship expert expertise, with your content. And uh, I'm so excited that you're here. So thank you for being here all the way from Dubai. Yes, so specifically for this. So thank you so much for having me. We're, we're I really excited. appreciate it. We're excited. Uh -huh. uh, I saw a stat online recently that said 75% of relationships fail within the first, right after the first year. Right. I don't know if that's an accurate stat, but uh -huh. it just seems like people are struggling in relationships, in a, in a new relationship. 
They're struggling finding a great partner when they start dating. Yeah. They're struggling trying to figure out, is this the right partner for me? They're struggling to figure out their own wounds and how their, uh, you know, their traumas interact with someone else's traumas. And is there a good match? All these different things cause people to struggle in relationships and break up within yeah. the first year, mm -hmm. it seems like. Mm -hmm. Why do you think people are struggling more than ever today to have a healthy, happy relationship? I would say it's the illusion of options that we've got today that we've never had before in the form of online dating, social media, and pornography. What that means is when we enter relationships, we're almost assessing if that partner is worthy of us. And there's almost an element of narcissism when we walk in. We're like, can I get better? Can I get the most I can get? Is this the most satisfying sexual relationship I've ever had? And if that person doesn't tick every single box off, instead of reflecting on what you need to heal and what you need to bring to the table and how you can help this relationship survive, we simply replace them with the illusion of options. Mm. Even if we don't have alternatives, we think we do. So we let go far quicker than we previously would have. Really? Mm -hmm. What um, do you think we should be asking ourselves about the person we want to date, you know, because it sounds like we want to have every box ticked. Mm -hmm. Like they have to be perfect and they have to be funny and they have to be rich and yeah. they have to be good looking and they need <laughs> a good education. And yeah. But what should we really be asking ourselves before we start dating someone? How are my personal insecurities going to ruin this relationship? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the first and foremost con uh, conversation to have with yourself. How you, are my insecurities going to ruin this relationship? How are my personal insecurities going to ruin this relationship? Why is that the question we should ask ourselves? Because we go into a relationship almost blind to our own wounds and they resurface in the relationship and we blame them for not providing the medication of a wound that existed before we met them. That's so true. Wow. Yeah. So what I mean by that is, say, for example, you grew up financially insecure and you meet a partner who's actually really nice to you, but he might not be able to soothe all your financial insecurities. You immediately think he's not good enough. Or you go into a relationship being addicted to pornography and then you meet a woman who's actually just at your right level, but you're so used to a hypersexualized, promiscuous woman that you find her boring. Or you go into a relationship not being able to communicate and then you meet somebody else who's um, not also communicating and you don't voice your concerns. So I would say, ask yourself, how are your insecurities going to ruin this relationship and how do I create a buffer so that doesn't occur? Mm. So when we're aware, because a lot of us, we go into a relationship not thinking where we have insecurities or that we're broken. Yeah. We're just like, well, the previous relationship didn't work because of them. Yeah. It was their fault, they did this, but really it always comes back to us. We Absolutely. chose something, we we didn't see something early on, we let something slide, we didn't create a boundary, we, we abandoned ourselves, we didn't communicate consciously, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, we let things slide too often, but we don't take a look, unless for me, there's yeah. enough pain Aww. to say, okay, here's all the stuff I don't like about me. Yeah. Here's all my insecurities, all my baggage, all my trauma, all my challenges. The reason why I keep causing pain in relationship. Why it doesn't keep working is because of me. Yeah. Whoever the person is, yeah. right? You're the common denominator. You're the common this. denominator. Yeah. So once we take inventory of our personal insecurities, how can we then create a buffer going into a relationship so we don't self-sabotage? Uh, we make sure that we are trying to heal those wounds without expecting that person to break their back to help us heal. <laughs> right. So what I mean by that is if I know I have an issue with jealousy, I'm trying to work on it. But at the same time, the person doesn't have to break their back to make sure I feel soothed. Okay, 
I pick consciously. I pick really well because I know that's a wound of mine. But I also learn to embrace and trust the process. Now, when you go in wounded and expect the person to provide you medication, but you don't even tell them what disease you have, we are then going to punish them for everything they do. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> the worst feeling. I honestly, and I've done it many times. Yeah, You've done I, it I mean, in relationships. Yeah, of course. I've and, had that experience to myself. <laughs> Relationship is so not fun. Unfortunately, you go in expecting them to be the healer or the doctor to a wound that you didn't create, but you don't even tell them of your diagnosis. And as a result, it's destined for failure. And they're not the expert at healing that wound. And they didn't cause it. And they didn't cause it. They didn't cause it. Why do so many, I'm not going to generalize, but it seems like a lot of women that you hear about with content online. Yeah. Why do we see so many women causing frustration in their relationship when they start dating a man based on a wound that someone else did, yeah. not the man in front of them? Um, because we've created a generation of narcissistic women. And what's happened is the rise of social media and the rise of online dating and the rise of feminism has taught women that they are not to blame for any poor choices. Every poor choice is glamorized. So if you want to be a sex worker, it's great. If you want to post in bikini pictures online, it's fine. If you want to be in with it, every poor choice is glamorized and every internal reflection is seen as gaslighting yourself. So they've even got terms for internal reflection to prevent it happening. And so what will happen is they are trained to not reflect on themselves because we've been told we've been oppressed for so many years. Now it's time to make sure we project. And so we don't take any accountability. And as a result, when we get into relationships, if we don't feel completely soothed all the time, he must be a narcissist. He must be a manipulator. He must be gaslighting. He, 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 rather than I, I, I. And unfortunately, we've got an online market that caters to that wounded woman, that caters to that entitled woman and caters to that narcissistic woman. And it's so wild to me that so many women talk about narcissism, but the society today has just, is just catering to narcissistic women. If I post a picture online, a bikini picture online, there's nothing my husband can do that could compete with that level of uh, attention. Impossible. The, the compliments, the, the compliments attention, the, the messaging, the you're so sexy and beautiful yeah. and all these different things from thousands or potentially around millions world, of men around the world who have money and all yeah. these things yeah and there's nothing he can do he can't post online and get the same reaction and more wow. so he can't give me the same level of validation oh my so what's happened is we've created a, a setup in society that means men have to compete with a level of validation they can't compete with with and if they go online if they join tinder that night they can have so many more options than a man can because we've got filters and we've got all of these. Again, I'm, I really am privy to this myself. I'm not, I'm a filter queen. So, but the things I can do to manipulate male validation- To get more attention from men. Just soothe myself and to remind myself I'm above this. I don't need him. I can replace him. It's something men actually can't do. So they have to rely on pornography for that. They replace us with pornography and we replace them with likes. Wow. and comments on social media. Wow, how did this happen? Like, why do, why do you think, is this a values thing, a lack of values thing? Is this a, okay, if I feel wounded or I feel some type of trauma, I need a, an emotional release, and so this makes me feel good, and then it's just a slippery slope into more and more? What's the, where does this, how does this start, and when does it end? I think it comes from the fact that we've created a culture that whenever there's a problem, there's a temporary solution that doesn't get rid of the root. 
So what I mean by that is if there's a problem of intimacy for men and they're not getting women, there's pornography. If there's a problem of low self-esteem in women because they don't have meaning and purpose, they can post a few pictures online. We've created a way of solving problems that doesn't get rid of the root. So we're always seeking highs. And the problem with highs is they come with lows. So you end up having more problems, more low self-esteem, and then seeking bigger highs to get that kind of back to neutral state. So I think the problem comes with problems being solved by seeking highs and a real focus on kind of values that are very empty, empty materialistic values. So you are a beautiful, high value woman if you're really, really beautiful. And you're a high value man now if you are really, really rich. Uh, but there's nothing to do with connection and intimacy that now gives us status. And so, and I think that's come from social media mainly. Where does this lead over the next three to five years with this narcissistic, you know, society, I guess, that's been built in this way? What happens for people in relationships? Are people able to find intimacy and connection and stay committed uh-huh. and be actually happy in, in a healthy relationship? Or is it only going to get worse? It leads to intense and pervasive loneliness, unfortunately. Really? And it probably will only get worse. Unfortunately, until we wake up to the impact of technology, uh, both on men and women, it's going to lead to a complete identity crisis, external kind of extrinsic values that don't benefit anybody which then manifests in depression and loneliness, self-inflicted depression and loneliness. Yeah, when I say low depression and loneliness, it's not like um, I, I have a disease or anything. It's self-inflicted through poor choices. So unfortunately, it's going to lead to uh, men not being able to commit to women because they can get all of the joys of sexual con- uh, relationships without having to invest. And women not being able to commit to men because they can get all the validation of male attention without having to adapt and change themselves according to the needs of the relationship. What happens when men and women never commit? Um, They find themselves unable to put somebody else's well-being above their own. So we're creating people who are entirely individualistic, deprived of responsibility, and unable to care and nurture for others because they're not putting somebody else's well-being above theirs. When you are unable to commit, essentially you wake up every single day saying, what do I want to do? What do I want to do today? And as nice and as freeing as that is, it deprives you of human responsibility. And in order to truly become something, uh, we're designed to be responsible. We're designed to be valuable. We're designed to serve others. This is how we've evolved. So becoming completely individualistic leads to a sense of lonely narcissism, mm. I believe. What is the generate? What is the age generation of, in your opinion, of the highest amount of narcissistic men and women? Is it people from 15 to 22? Is it 20s to 30s? Like, what is the age group that you see as the most extreme narcissist? I would imagine it would be from 15 to 25. This is without actual any research onto it. I would imagine so because... They, they um, raised to d- serve their desires, not serve others. We have raised children to serve themselves in every way, shape and form. So whether that is through a, you know, a pornographic interview, sending each other Snapchats of each other nude. This is something that was alien. Like in our generation, it was unheard of. But the average 12-year-old is now put under pressure to send nudes to the other average... And one thing I had really twelve year olds. Twelve year olds. I used to be a teacher, so I used to experience this a lot. Where twelve year olds are sending nudes on Snapchat to each other. To each other, Uh, yeah, coerced to all volunteer, volunteer, just to get more attention, right? Yeah. 
And what's so weird is when you work with children, you we're always taught told about predators and we're always told about sexual assault from old predators. But you'd be so surprised at the level and age of sexual predators now. They're aged between 12 and 15 now. We're 12 to 15 year olds are now becoming predatory because they're so saturated by sex that they've dehumanized connection and they see it as part of growing up. Well, I mean, why would a 12 or 13 or 15 year old girl send a nude to another 12, 13 or 15 year old boy? Uh, because they're growing up with role models who post on OnlyFans. They're growing up being told that you don't actually need an education. You can make $50,000 a month if you just post the right pictures online. So when you are told that and you are bored to death in a maths class and you're being told to learn uh, like, uh, you know, about parameters on a rectangle that you don't care about, or you can see a really sexy girl talk about how much money she's making, where is a child going to go? particularly when they're not raised in a home or environment which boosts their self-esteem and uh, emphasizes internal morals. So why are our children going to go? It's not their fault at all. It's the society we've created and what we've glamorized and highlighted for children. That's interesting because Martha, my girlfriend, she'll say that that her dad did a really great job when she was, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, when boys started to show attention, right? Yeah. He did a really great job, I'm paraphrasing what she told me, that he used to say, listen, guys are going to tell you you're beautiful. You already know that. Yeah. So don't be wowed when they say you're beautiful, you're pretty, you look attractive. Like, Uh know that you have other values to contribute. And if they don't see those other things, then, okay, just they're friends, you know, but don't buy into that type of game. Don't let that be the most interesting thing about you. And what I find a little bit strange about being online is I'll get a lot of comments about my makeup and my appearance or whatever it is, which is very, very nice. Um, but I didn't understand why that would even be part of the conversation. And I would imagine it's because they assume that if you have a certain appearance, why would you even bother working on your uh, education? Because they almost see it as binary. If you've got one, you don't need the other. Well, you absolutely need the other. You absolutely, because it's the only thing that will exist forever. Your looks is the only depreciating asset you have. Wow. So why would you want to derive your value from it and your self-esteem from it? It's We know it's depreciating. Because what happens when the looks start to fade in women who've only put their value in their physical appearance? What happens? Well, what happens is they end up with men who are equally shallow. Here's the thing. If I'm just a pretty face, I'm going to end up with a man who only likes pretty faces. Now, the reality is that man is so easily distracted with the next pretty face and the next 25 year old and the next. So what will happen is you're in a constant competition with people you can't compete with for the rest of your life. And similarly, if I was somebody who just sold sex and just, I'm going to find a man who's addicted to sex and men that are addicted to sex will always want novelty. You'll never be enough. So reality is when you create your identity on something so fragile, you attract somebody who's also very fragile and then you end up in a lonely cycle, unfortunately. Yeah. Whereas when you develop something deep, you attract someone deeper and your connection tends to be more long lasting. God willing, it tends to be more long lasting. Right. I think I heard you share recently online something about like financial connection and emotional connection. Yeah. Can you explain more about that? Yeah, I think what's happening, unfortunately, men are being indoctrinated into thinking that as long as you provide financially, you can get the hottest girl in the world. And as a result, you, you're a high value man and you, you've made it. 
But essentially, when you lead with finances, you attract a woman who's emotionally detached because emotionally present women, uh, finances does not compensate for lack of quality time. No matter how rich a man is, she wants quality time. Whereas emotionally detached women, they don't care if you're gone for six months on a business trip, as long as they've got a bag and a house and a Rolls Royce and whatever it is. So when you're that man, you're going to attract that woman. Mm. So you think I'm providing her with everything. She's not going to go anywhere. She's thinking you've provided me with everything. Now I can go somewhere. Wow. So you're actually, you're, you've lured yourself into a false sense of security. A lot of really successful men will look at a woman and think I've given her everything. She's not going to go anywhere. She, because she's got external kind of extrinsic value, she's thinking I've now got everything from this guy. Where do I go next? So what more can I get? What more can I get? From somewhere else. From somewhere else. Holy and cow. so unfortunately, why is there not loyalty when uh, a, a financially, you know, a stable man is able to provide finances to their partner? Why is that loyalty not there? Because they, the glue of the relationship is broken. Superficial. Yeah, it's superficial. The glue they used was superficial. The glue he, the, he's relying on is physical attraction and the glue she's relying is financial stability. The glue is weak. Whereas if the glue was emotional intimacy, absolutely you can get loyalty. You can't beat emotional intimacy when it comes to loyalty. Once you have emotional intimacy, it, you, you really it's very difficult for somebody to be your competition because they know you in a way that nobody else can and you can be vulnerable in a way nobody else can. But when you deprive your relationship of emotional intimacy, every single person is your competition. And this is something these people with junk values don't realize. Wow. Unfortunately. <laughs> like, but did you find that hard? Like, I mean, being so financially successful, did you find it would attract the wrong kind of women? Um, yeah, I've, I've always been in relationships. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't like single for three years yeah. and was like uh, just attracting everyone. I was yeah, kind right, of like, so I, I loved intimacy. So I was more like diving into a commitment as quickly as I, if I found someone, like, yeah. I felt like, okay, maybe there's something here. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 
When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it just seems like with the content I see online and what I'm hearing from stories from people in the dating world yeah. and who've gone through divorce and breakups, like it is a struggle out there. That's what, what I'm hearing. And I don't know if that's just certain cities in America or if that's globally or if it's different in other countries. Is it like that in LA? It's very much like I think that it's in I think it's extreme in LA, obviously. Extreme, but. yeah. And unfortunately, because I come from Dubai and I live in London and stuff like that, I, I focus on the extremities. I know in simple villages this doesn't happen. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but unfortunately, um, I'm not privy to that. They, they tend to be healthy and they don't even watch my content. Right, they're, right. they're happy and they've got their kids and they walk their dogs. The people that watch it are the ones that are struggling and they're usually similar kind of issues. There's only three or four issues that all my clients will have. What is that? Um, infidelity, um, uh, men using, uh, men in very much, infidelity on part of the woman. Women cheat more than men? Far more. Come on. Far, far more. Come on. Uh, far, far more. Why do you think women cheat more than men? Uh, because they're in denial about the infidelity. When they cheat, they don't even label it as that. When if a woman starts cheating, what they, are they label it as? They label it as my husband's no longer satisfying me. They won't even say I'm cheating. They'll say my husband isn't satisfied. They find a way to redirect and shift the terminology so that they are void of guilt. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So how do how do we know women are cheating more than men? What is it like? Uh, is this I, public knowledge? Is there well, surveys? Or are you just hearing this from the people you're coaching? The people I'm coaching, because firstly, you'll know, it's simple signs that you'll know. Firstly, when the guy, I always say infidelity is a result of men not being masculine and women not being feminine. And what I mean by this is if a woman is cheating, it's because she has a man that accepts unacceptable because he is unwilling to walk away when his boundaries are broken. So what will happen is when women meet that man, with a good woman with good morals, and this, she doesn't want that man. She's like, I don't want to weaken. She'll, she'll leave. She'll leave. She'll replace him with somebody who has boundaries that suit her morals. But a woman But she won't cheat because she'll have the values cheat. of like, this isn't working, it's sad. No, I don't want but somebody But I'm not going to cheat week. while I'm with you no desire to yeah, cheat yeah. she's not a sexual being yeah and that's so she's looking for somebody who can lead a household but the woman who's planning to come home late all the time and planning to go on a bunch of holidays and planning to keep in touch with her ex and planning to post a bunch of provocative pictures online he's perfect he's perfect 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 because he'll maybe pay for everything he'll maybe sort the house out maybe give her the kids he's perfect so that agreeable. And she can keep getting the validation from all these other men in Whoever she ways. wants. And he'll say, oh, babe, I don't really like that bikini picture. And she'll say, stop oppressing me. And that will be the end of the conversation. And that and she'll carry on doing what she wants. And he'll say, oh, are you going to come home today? I'll come home when I want. And that's what he, he'll say, okay. And because she recognizes he doesn't have the willingness to walk away, when the man isn't masculine, he's, his days are numbered. His days and good women filter themselves off away from men that are too agreeable. Now, when women get cheated on, again, it's a lack of femininity. And what I mean by that is, honestly, what I've noticed with married men that cheat 
it's not that they love somebody else so much or they uh, they found someone more beautiful. They simply have a wife that is no longer catering to their needs in any way, shape, or form. So, what type of needs? Their sexual needs, their intimacy needs, their uh, supportive needs, all kinds of needs. So, what I mean by that, it could be as simple as there's a coffee ready because you're going to work, or, or it could be as deep as I haven't slept with you in six months. It's his needs no longer matter. And it's really difficult. I understand when you have kids and stuff like that, it becomes difficult. Is it when he feels his needs don't matter or he's communicating what he wants and she's not he, willing to provide that? He's saying it. He he's is, saying it and he's, she's just like, I don't have time for this or she's busy or whatever. He's often saying it, but she's also not predicting his needs. And that's part of femininity. Mm. Part of femininity is I know he's coming home. Let me just warm up a bit of food. Or I know that he's got work at an early start. Let me just iron that shirt quickly because he's going to make a mess if he does it. You know, it's part of femininity. What would the feminist movement say to that? I'm just curious. Uh, they would argue that it's not your, he's not a baby. That's what they would say. Men are not babies. But here's the reality. They are. In a lot of ways, they are. They're in a lot of ways, they really are. I can be are. a baby sometimes, but You yeah. know what it is? It's something about... I, I don't understand this myself, but there's something about... They, they could be hungry or whatever it is, but when their wife makes them a meal, it tastes totally different to whatever you could order or whatever they could order themselves. Or when their wife... Eh? There's a love to it. There's, an, uh, there's a support behind being it. Being seen. Yeah. It's being seen in a way that nobody else sees them. There's something about like, you, of course you can make your own coffee in the morning, but there's something about your wife just putting it there without you asking for it that just makes you feel seen. Now, what I notice is when women do, forget to do that, they create... They set the tone for a man to now go towards escorts. And I'll tell you why. Because they're almost creating a transactional relationship. They're making him feel like an ATM anyway. If, right. Yeah, He's if like, he, I'm not getting my needs met. I'm paying for everything. I'm paying for everything. And I'm being disrespected, maybe. Yeah. Or whatever. I'm an ATM. Interesting. I'm already an ATM. Whether I, that's okay or not to no, think no, no. that way, that's just that's the interpretation. That's the way he sees it. So if I'm coming home and she doesn't even notice I'm there, she's never cooked a meal, she's never asked me how my day is, but I'm paying for everything and I'm giving her a great life, I'm already an ATM. I might as well be an ATM to somebody who's going to touch me and right. kiss me Serve and look at me. Serve my sexual needs or something. Exactly. Yeah. Who's going to look at me. At least pretend. At least. Even if at least I, even act for an hour, right? Exactly. Right? And, they, and the worst thing is, escorts and sugar babies and stuff, they know this man's been deprived of attention. So they know exactly what to say to these men to have them putty in their hands. If I wanted to, I, I would know exactly what to say to him. If I was an escort, I would know exactly what to say Just to him. Just how to touch him, how to connect with yeah. him, how to be there for him. Do you him. need a coffee? Do you take two sugars or one? Oh, wow. Some men haven't heard that in years from their wives. Wow. They haven't heard that in years. Uh, do you want me to rub your shoulders? They haven't heard that in years from their wives. And these are men that work hard and do that, this, that. I'm not saying they're justified, but this is, they build a resentment. So when women get cheated on, it's their lack of femininity. And when men get cheated on, it's their lack of masculinity. And people hate me for this because what they want to say is I was cheated on because my ex was a narcissist. But the, the um, infidelity is a dynamic. I'm not saying it, there are compulsive cheaters. But even in that process, you select that compulsive cheater. They show you the signs anyway, yeah? Like if, I, if I'm if i a woman without boundaries, oh no, because he comes home late, he's sloppy, I'll know something. But the reality is, and people always come for me and they're like, you're victim blaming, but no, this is not what we're doing here. The reality is people shouldn't cheat, but also thieves shouldn't steal. But I have to lock my doors. I have to. I have to protect myself. Similarly, people shouldn't cheat, but I have to lock my doors. I have to at least ensure I'm creating a dynamic that creates enough intimacy where they don't need to. If they then go on to, at least I know I did everything. 
But if I don't cover the basics, of course it's going to lead to right. it. Yeah, of course. So we, I hear a lot about this high value man and high value women and all these things online. Yeah. You know, and the high value man is someone who's making over six feet years uh -huh. and over six feet tall and whatever like, it is. Like Mr. Howes over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what is it that men can do to become more high value than just their financial abundance and their height? How can they be a high value man, whether they have money or they have height or mm -hmm. any of that stuff? Have complete and utter self-control. And what I mean by that is you try and control your mind, body and soul in a way that would lead to positive long-term outcomes for you as a man. If you get to the gym and you eat right, your long-term body will appreciate that. If you save your money, you don't waste it on alcohol and clubs and this and the other. Your long-term self, who will be able to invest in, uh, net, uh, so I was going to say Netflix, not Netflix, NFTs and all that, uh, whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. it is that businesses, your long-term self will appreciate that. If you're able to dedicate some time to some spirituality or something to disconnect from this world, your long-term anxiety will appreciate mm. that. So a man who has complete and utter self-control and makes responsible decisions that serve him in the long run is truly high value. Somebody who can resist short-term desires and short-term temptations for long-term goals. Who can shake a man like that? Right. A man who can resist having sex with every single woman because he doesn't want to get the wrong woman pregnant. Who can who could shake a man like that? Whereas a man with no self-control, the you know any woman can distract him, any money can distract him, any opportunity can distract him. He is malleable. That does you can't be high valuable, high value and malleable at the same time. So it's having an identity that's constructed on self-control that will make you high value. It doesn't matter how tall you are, how short you are, how rich you are, how broke you are. If you've got no self-control, you're a weak man, unfortunately. It's very difficult to have self-control. But if they can master it, they're incredible. So what I'm hearing you say is women should really be looking for that quality and the partner they're choosing. Self-control. okay, he's tall, dark, and handsome, or whatever it is these days. I guess women are more into like the skinny, like artistic guy, whatever. It's whatever always it like is. changing, it's right? But he's a certain look, and he's got a certain amount of money. He's a high-value man. If he hasn't got self-control, he's a liability to you and your children. <sighs> yeah, and you have to remember that. So What maybe... happens when you get in a relationship with a man who on paper looks like they have everything. Mm -hmm. Great career, they've got money, they've got the car, they've got the house, they're put together, dressed well, groomed, perfect height, you know, all these different things. Great friends, great network, but they lack self-control. What will happen down the line? Relationship, marriage, kids. Unfortunately, what that might look like is if you lack self-control, it might look like um, indulging with other women. It might look like um, gambling your money away. It might look like eating and consuming the wrong kind of drugs or whatever it is. A lack of self-control will lead a, to a, a man down a path where he will no longer be able to recognize himself. Wow. Whereas self-control, he has a consistent identity from the day he's born until the day he dies because he dictates his future. Even if he wants to have a day of no control, it was his choice. It right. was genuinely his choice. If it's one or two days where he wants to get drunk and he wants... It's it, but he's not he's not subject to the environment or to people and to everybody else. He's, he's not just, influenced by his surroundings. He's influenced by his what his long term goals are. And if he's got like tomorrow, I don't have to start early. I'm going to get drunk today, or you know what, I'm single. I'm just going to you know today, I'm just going to do what I want to do. No, I'm not judging that because it's an element of self control. But when it's like, oh my god, I'm so stressed, I need to watch pornography. Or, oh my god, I'm so this. Unfortunately, that man is self destructive. 
and you can't have children with self-destructive men, unfortunately. Similarly with having women. Right. I don't mean it's just for men. You, you sure. cannot have children with people who are self-destructive because it's contagious and it will then go on to the children and so on and so forth. And so many people forget this when they're selecting partners. Yeah, I mean, and I want to get to the women's side here, like what the what a high-value woman <laughs> is and should be yeah. defined by. Um, but you really can't change your partner that yeah. much. No, you, absolutely you, not. Once someone has chosen, this is my identity, this is, this is who I am, they have to be the ones to say, I want to improve, grow, transform, heal, change, but not you're not going to be able to influence them over and over to be exactly what you want. Yeah. So if you try, if you think I'm going to get married to this person, then I'm going to control them. It's going to be, they're going to be miserable when yeah. you're controlling them and trying to change them. Absolutely. And also you've shown them that you accept their unacceptable behavior. So they can't change and respect you. So let's mm. say, for example, I choose a man who's a compulsive gambler. I've already chosen him. He already knows I have low boundaries. Wow. So I've, he, I've already shown him I accept the unacceptable. So say if tomorrow he became a really great guy, he's not going to want me. He's going to outgrow this woman with no boundaries who accepts the unacceptable. Women think he's going to be like, oh, I'm so grateful to my ride or die. He's really going to be like, I've outgrown this person, as he should. Because wow. he shouldn't be with a woman that accepts the unacceptable because she's not incompatible with the new him. Same, same thing with men and women. She might feel like inferior as he's transforming and growing if she's not willing to do it together with him. Yeah, absolutely. Like. There was no boundaries. Wow. And, yeah, and we, as it, like, it's like when you have a manager at work that lets you come in late, lets you, you know, drink on the job, lets you take days off. If one day they stamp the authority, you're going to be like, mm, I'm not listening to you. Right. But um, when you decide to be better at your job, you're going to want a new workplace because you want better manager, you want better structure. So same thing happens in all human connections, uh, unfortunately. Absolutely. You yeah. got to create that standard and stick You've to it. You've got to stick to it, unfortunately. So it seems to me that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that in today's society, a, a high-value woman is someone who is beautiful, attractive, has a you know young body, yeah. and gets lots of attention from men online. It seems yeah. to me like a desirable, high-value woman is perceived that mm -hmm. in today. Correct me if I'm wrong. Absolutely. I would agree. What do you think men should be looking at as what a high value woman is? I think um, what they classify as a high value woman is actually truly a narcissistic woman. And what they should be looking at is a woman who has intrinsic rather than extrinsic values. Wow. And what I mean by that is when you select a woman who enjo enjoys um, explosive kind of attention from men, you're selecting a woman who will never be satisfied with you. Oh, man. <laughs> Unfortunately. Wow. And you're selecting a woman who relies on external validation for self-esteem. And that will never go in that woman. What you really should be looking at is a woman who has intrinsic values. And now these are things like how connected I am to my friends and family. How much do I serve my community? How much can I look after you and your well-being? How much self-esteem do I derive from having a purpose and loving those around me? Unfortunately, they look at what is packaged the best way. And that woman is, uh, unfortunately, she's unattainable because she's emotionally broken. To require that much validation can't be healthy. And I say this as a woman who's online myself, and, uh, and people could very much argue the same for me. But one thing I noticed is, if I look at my DMs, they're endless and I don't show skin, I don't show body. It's not that kind of content. So I think, and it annoys me. I'll see it and I'll just quickly, you know, this is nonsense. 
Um, so imagine being a woman who only per- posts ex- things that cr- uh, create external validation. At least I'll get a few messages saying, I love your content, blah, blah. But you're just posting your body. You're just getting, I love your tits. I love your boobs. I love. This is a woman who wants that. Why would you, why on earth would you think that woman is now going to be able to serve you and your family and your children in a, a wholesome manner? Don't, she's not equipped for it. But again, I'm assuming that people might be commenting or saying, well, this is, you know, don't, don't diminish my self-expression. Uh-huh. This makes me feel great. I can do what I want. I want to express myself. I want to post bikini photos all day long. Absolutely. So I'm allowed to do whatever I want yeah. and I like it. I like expressing myself. I'm a, you know, so I am. Uh-huh. Don't tell me what to do. All these different things. So. You know, what do you say express to someone that might be way, feeling that way? Express a way, but don't expect that woman to be wholesome. She can express however she wants. I could sit there and express myself through nudes and bikini pictures, etc. But then don't put wholesome traditional values. Aside, don't assign them to me because I'm not signing them to myself. So if she's expressing her that herself that way, you as a man, how dare you expect her to have these complete opposite values? Right. Yeah. So just accept her for who she is. She's not wrong. I'm not actually saying she's wrong, by the way. I actually don't think there's anything wrong in that. But have a realistic expectation of what that woman's going to bring to your life. In terms of a relationship. In terms of a relationship. Yeah, right. she, she's somebody who craves knowing that she's still sexually attractive to other men. Because that's what the audience will be. Women don't follow women who just post stuff like that. So that's what um, her audience is. It's that woman. So why would you try and create, like, why would you force her, why would you try and get her to contort into your values and your what you want out of her? She's going to be more promiscuous, she's going to be more unfaithful, but that's okay. But, so, but the problem is you either accept her for who she is or you go somewhere else, but don't expect that woman to have the values that you yeah, want them yeah. to have. You've been coaching uh, people for a while now. Yeah. And you said there are what? What are the main themes you see that people struggle with the most in your your one-on-one or online coaching? I would find that the main thing for men is the addiction to pornography. Yeah. How many men are addicted to pornography today? I I would say that, unfortunately, in the younger generation, here's the problem with the, the addiction to pornography. When I have a man on the phone to me and he's got, and this is irrelevant whether he's handsome, not handsome, whatever, in shape, not shape, but he's having struggles with women. He's having some problem with women. They're either transactional, using him, cheating on him, whatever it is. I don't ask any question other than, are you addicted to pornography? That's the first question. They'll come to me on the phone and say, "This my, uh, my girlfriend's doing this. I don't know how to get over. First question I ask is, are you addicted to pornography? Because there's a masochism in there, in there that they don't realize. And they'll say, no, 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 I'm not addicted to pornography. I watch it maybe twice a week, three times a week, whatever. But I don't, to, I don't know if that's healthy. I don't think there's any level that's healthy. And what pornography does, unfortunately, what pornography does to men is it allows them intense gratification without the fear of rejection. And what men need is reje- rejection in order to build their bravery and redirect them. If I'm really overweight or if I'm not making a lot of money, I'm living in my mom's basement and I go out into the dating world, I realize women don't find that attractive, so I redirect myself. You have to improve. You have to overcome. You have to let go. You have to... And learn from the feedback. And have courage to take consistent action and build self-control. Exactly. But what pornography allows me to do is maintain that state whilst getting the gratification I want. And the other thing it does to men is it blurs their true value. So they will see these beautiful women online go into the real world and say he's a 4 out of 10, 
he should be aiming for a four out of 10 woman, but he'll think, I, I, I don't want that girl. I'm not attracted to this girl. And they'll be aiming for the 12 out of 10s and they can only access them through escort. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Or through, uh, I mean, in America, they call it passport bros. Have you heard of that concept? Passport what? Where they go to like maybe the Philippines or they go to other countries uh-huh. and marry women. And, you know, oh, wow. yeah, it's kind of like a 90 day. Then they try and do it that way instead wow. to access those type of women's because they've been so addicted to pornography. They've got a skewed perception of what their true value is and what their true match is. What do you think pornography is doing to the male brain chemically? Um, It's making them incapable of connection, both physically and emotionally. Physically, they have erectile dysfunction, and I'm talking to 28-year-old boys that will have erectile dysfunction and they can't perform. And emotionally, porn doesn't model intimacy. It actually models how to make hate with a woman, not how to make love. So they learn how to spit on women. They learn how to degrade women. They know how to make fun of minorities. They learn all of these things. And they think they're learning all these skills. But when you speak to women, they'll say the least satisfying uh, sexual encounters with a man that's addicted to porn because he's reenacting and not reading her body. He's not learning. He's not intuitive. He's not. He's he's not connected. Not at all. He's not there in the moment. So not only is he doing all these moves that she's not connecting with, (laughs) but he then can't even lift his because wow. there's there's an erectile dysfunction so imagine the experience from a woman's end she's just like this is the worst experience i've ever had he is also realizing okay she's not enjoying this let me just stick to porn because i'm terrible at sex so that rejection that encounter is so negative that they go de- deeper into the rabbit hole unfortunately and can i just say pornography is not good for women either i think the rise in bisexuality in women is predominantly from exposure to porn yeah, I think so. I don't think it's... How many women are watching porn from not, people you talk to or coaching or yeah, just... Not as much, but when I what, I what I find really difficult about pornography and really disempowering is the majority of the time that women are watching it, they're doing it for their partner's pleasure, very limited for their own. So they're watching girl on girl and they're watching things on that and they're engaging on that behavior primarily from a male gaze, for male attention, for men to be fine and satisfying rather than their own thing. Because women tend to be more emotionally connected to sex. So if they're engaging in a lot of pornography, it's for um, male desires. So they're almost catering to the male gaze in a way that's helping them lose their own identity. They're signing up for degradation. They're signing up for confused sexual identity. They're signing up for a society that only caters to male sexual gratification. So I find it more bizarre that women watch porn. Do you think, why do men watch more porn than women? 
Um, because I think for men, it's the ability to access any type of woman without the fear of rejection. And men are more likely to be rejected when they go and seek sex in the real world. Yeah. And so I think it's just the bypassing rejection is what they're doing far more than women. Why are women not into porn as much though? Why do they want to watch it? Because without an intimate connection, porn is, uh, sex is limited in how gratifying it can be. Yeah, it's almost like having a cake without sugar. Like without the ingredient of intimacy, it's just a bunch of empty calories and it's not worth the taste. So that's what porn is like for women without actually caring about somebody. And sometimes they'll watch it, but they're still trying to learn how to please their partner through it. So there's an element of my partner, my partner, my partner. Uh, whereas for men, it's just to bypass the rejection that they don't want to face. Wow. Yeah, unfortunately. And it is a coping mechanism for a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, it's like it, drugs, it, alcohol, food, yeah. pornography. And, but the thing is, it's so easy for me to be judgmental, but I didn't grow up where the smartphone had access to pornography. I don't know what kind of person I would have been. And I, I also have a religious kind of reason to avoid porn. So I, I, I'm not saying this to be holier than thou. I'm very aware that if I was in a different circumstance, I'd be just as addicted but it's so bad for us. It's so, so bad for couples and intimacy and everything. It's so terrible. And it's something that's almost just accepted. What I find so shocking is if I was to watch a child be abused and get joy out of that, I would be arrested, rightly so. But cut to 20 years when that child is now engaging in voluntary sex work, which is usually most sex offended children go on to do sex work, is accepted. Voluntary. Voluntary. Because what happens when a child's been abused, they often try and regain control by engaging in sex work. Wow. It's their way of reestablishing control and boundaries that were ripped off them. So they're thinking, now I'll monetize it and take some control. So usually most people who work in the sex industry have a history of child abuse, sexual abuse. So I just think watching vulnerable people kind of um, re-traumatize themselves and getting joy out of that should be somewhat more spoken about rather than just seeing Absolutely. it as, a, as an industry. It's not Absolutely. an industry that is created on like, you know, movies where it's people who went through a school and tried, it's usually people who went through trauma have now found themselves in working in porn and we're okay to just watch it all day, every day. It's scary, right? What would you say are the, uh, the big, three big flags that uh, a man or a woman should look out for when they're entering a new dating relationship? Unfortunately, and I really hate to say this because we can't really control this, is but your childhood. Uh, unfortunately, your childhood creates an embedded kind of conflict between you and love. When we have a chaotic childhood, what we do is we create a core cool belief about ourselves that we're not worthy of love, we don't deserve love, or love, love is painful. And because that's a core cool belief, we go through life looking for somebody to validate that core cool belief. Now, if I meet somebody loving even, I will still try and create that core belief and make love chaotic. So, or I'll sabotage or do something. So unfortunately, you have to look at their childhood. Now, it doesn't mean if they've got a bad childhood they're written off, but if they haven't acknowledged the impact, you're going to be- the healing process. You're going to be the punching bag. Oh man, I've been, I've been punched a Have lot. Have you noticed I've that as well? I've been punched a lot in my past. <laughs> what kind of things do women bring like in their past childhood? Um, well, I think, you know, I think it's the responsibility of each partner to to ask those questions yeah. to to you know, and I lacked the inability to. I saw that, and that was what attracted me because I was wounded in my childhood, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, we're both wounded. We're in this together. Yeah. So I was the punching bag and kept kept sticking around because I lacked the 
courage, confidence, the you know skills, the security in self to walk away from the feeling of love and intimacy, the feeling of connection, the, yeah. the false feeling. Well, well, that broken childhood gives women some intensity uh -huh. that makes a man feel really loved in the moment. Absolutely. And it's honestly, they give you really passionate kind of sexual relations as well because they, they almost treat you like you're temporary. Because they the know you. Chemistry yeah. is explosive, right? But it doesn't mean it's healthy. It's not healthy. And I've heard you talk about this. I've talked about this as well. It's like if a if a person you're meeting feels boring, yeah, then that's a good thing. It's a good. It's thing. a good thing. Oh, if it feels like exciting, explosive, and oh, magical every moment, it's like the constant. Like that's probably when you want to run or really ask yourself why. Why? Why are you why? attracted to chaos? Why am I attracted to this feeling? Mm -hmm. And is that healthy? I'm not saying. It's automatic bad, but it's a definite thing to pay attention to. Yeah, and is it sustainable to do that to yeah. your body? It's nothing is sustainable. It's wow. like being in the ring for like 10, 15 rounds. You can't it's, do yeah, it. it's also like, like you said, you can only have that feeling for so long. And then when it fades, are you saying something's wrong? I need to recreate that feeling. Yeah, and they usually recreate it by outsourcing chaos outside of the relationship. So they'll have really stable, healthy relationships. But they'll find, you know, a guy on the side or a girl on the side that will recreate the trauma that they've had as a child, unfortunately. Right. And the reason why it's such a problem is children suffer. Children are the only ones that will suffer when When you have kids yeah, and when... you've attracted each other and you've been committed and you got stayed together, yeah. the kids suffer from your behavior. Yeah, always. So it's being so like... Um, so that's the first flag is to yeah. be aware of the person's childhood, right? Be aware is of the to like ask the questions. Yeah. And it doesn't mean they're not a good person or they're nice or you can't be friends or if you get into it, you just have to be aware uh -huh. this is what you might be dealing with. Yeah. Second thing I would say is do they set boundaries or do they self-sabotage? And they're two very different things. People think boundaries means, oh, you upset me. I'm never speaking to you again. I don't tolerate nonsense. I've got boundaries. That's not how boundaries work. Boundaries are actually instructions to help teach the person how to love you. So my boundary might be as simple as, okay, take the shoes off when you go into the living yes. room. Yeah, that's a boundary. Self-sabotage is not saying anything and be like, oh my God, he wore his shoes on my, in my living room. I'm never speaking to him again. So I would say the ability to communicate boundaries in a way that will bring you closer rather than simply kind of drawing lines and running away. And so I think effective boundaries is a really important red or green flag. That's a, that's been a game changer for me with Martha because we, we really created agreements early on. Oh, amazing. What kind of agreements? Man, we did so many early on that were just like, anytime there might have been a little like, oh, that didn't feel that good or disturbance as yeah. opposed to us just letting it slide. Each one of us were like, I don't know if I like that. I'm not saying you're wrong here, mm -hmm. but... I would just like for us to create this agreement uh -huh. so that I don't feel weird and, and I don't feel like you're taking advantage or whatever it might be. So And what was it like? One of, one of them was one of them was like, you know, early in a relationship you're talking all the time. Yeah. Morning, day, and night. Uh -huh. And there was a couple of times where it was like one AM, we had some like minor disturbances. There was like just confusion. We're both tired. It's not getting it's getting in a loop. We're not finding a resolution to this yeah. like challenge. And so we both came to the agreement like let's not have these conversations in bed. Right. Like, it doesn't really seem to go well these last couple of times. It's not like it was horrible or explosive. It's just like we woke up tired. And like, we didn't find a resolution. It didn't feel good. Let's just have the conversation during the day when we're both awake. Okay. Not when we hit the bed and then we start talking about something that was upsetting. Yeah. And that has created so much peace because yeah. we both have an agreement. Amazing. We created a healthy boundary by calling it an agreement. Yeah. And we stick to that standard. Right. 
And previous relationships, what would you do instead? Oh, I would just try to solve the problem, <laughs> stay up all night. Yeah. I would just, you know, and then it would just escalate. It escalate to like frustration and exhaustion and then resentment mm -hmm. the next day. Like, why is this happening? And yeah. then it repeats again every few weeks. Okay. So this is, oh, so now it's now healthy. I explain to you what I need and we do it accordingly. Exactly. Amazing. Yeah. And making yeah. sure both of you uh, are able to ex communicate what you need so there is an agreement and making sure you both agree on that. Amazing. So if very she was- Very lucky to find a partner. Oh my God, yeah, I'm blessed. Very lucky, I'm blessed. praise be to God. I'm yeah. blessed. Okay, yeah. so do they set boundaries or do they self-sabotage? Yeah. That's the second green or red flag. What's and, the third? Uh, competition or cooperation. And what I mean by that is when you have a partner that values your well-being and wants to see you feel less anxious, wants to see you feel happy, wants you, feel, wants you to feel connected, um, they are cooperative. So when they say, when you say things like, oh, babe, I haven't heard from you all day, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I've completely forgot. Uh, I'll call you in five minutes. Give me 10 minutes, I'll call you. But other times you'll have a partner where you say, oh, you know, I haven't heard from you. Stop trying to control me. You're, you're always taking over. You are, you're so needy. It's stuff like that. It's, is it competition or is it cooperation? When you voice a concern, do they actually want to see that you, the relationship get better and your well-being matters? Or are they so stuck on their autonomy and independence and not being controlled by you that they reject and neglect their responsibilities towards you? So I think that kind of understanding your partner's well-being, if, if it's not a case of like, why are you trying to control me? Why do it's more of a case of, oh, I didn't mean to. Uh, okay, I understand your point. It's those um, partners that are in competition with each other who can hurt who the most or who can stay the most dis uh, disconnected, who can stay the most independent. Why are you together? I don't understand those relationships. It's torture. It's real torture. So it's like, oh, I'm liking extra pictures. She told me not to like pictures. Now I'm going to do 10 times more. <laughs> oh, you know, he told me not to post bikini pictures. Now I'm going to post 10 times more. Why are you together are you, if you're going to hurt each other? Because hurting them should be hurting you if you're in a healthy relationship. Mm. And Kate, like um, prioritizing their well-being is a form of prioritizing your own well-being if you're in a healthy relationship. So that cooperation should be there. If it's not there, then try and avoid mm. that person, unfortunately. I hope today's episode inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a rundown of today's show with all the important links. And if you want weekly exclusive bonus episodes with me, as well as ad-free listening experience, make sure to subscribe to our Greatness Plus channel on Apple Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend over on social media or text a friend. Leave us a review over on Apple Podcast and let me know what you learned over on our social media channels at Lewis House. I really love hearing the feedback from you and it helps us continue to make the show better. And if you want more inspiration from our world-class guests and content to learn how to improve the quality of your life, then make sure to sign up for the Greatness Newsletter and get it delivered right to your inbox over at greatness.com newsletter. And if no one has told you today, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com.
At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.